This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Hello and welcome to Gardener's Favourites, a new podcast series featuring Alan Titchmarsh, Kate Bradbury and the team here at Gardener's World magazine. In this special winter series, we'll share with you some of our winter highlights, guaranteed to beat the winter gloom with options to get you outside enjoying your garden and recommendations for days when you want to curl up indoors. So sit back and enjoy as we share our favourites. Hello, my name's Kate Bradbury and I'm a garden writer and author specialising in wildlife gardening. I don't get many species of bird in my small urban plot, although the house sparrows, starlings, robins and goldfinches make me very happy indeed. Occasionally, a blue tit or great tit will pass through. Or I might see a wren or dunnock darting around beneath the hedge. I often feel sad when I see long-tailed tits or song thrushes passing overhead. Why won't they come in? But maybe they will, one day. And I have plenty to be enjoying in the meantime. In spring and autumn, I spot so-called passage migrants, which are migrant birds on their way to or from their African wintering grounds. These might include chiffchaffs, garden warblers and whitethroats. Last year I spent three days ogling a male black redstart bowling around on a neighbour's roof, while another neighbour told me she'd had a nightingale in her garden. I keep my binoculars at the back door so I can quickly investigate movements or behaviour I don't recognise. You really never know who's going to turn up. 
Winter is a good time to keep an eye out for interesting birds in the garden, as natural sources of food become scarce when the ground freezes, while local berries may be in short supply. On top of this, winter day lengths are short, so desperate birds often turn up to garden feeders to snatch a few calories before the nights draw in, even if gardens aren't really their thing. Goldcrests and firecrests join gangs of tits and they rove together in search of food, landing in trees and inspecting every fissure and leaf joint for a morsel, such as a moth egg stuck to a branch. Finches tend to flock together in winter too, while the starlings and house sparrows are never without their friends. I love watching the starlings and house sparrows descend on the garden. They arrive like a big mob, the starlings dress for work in their shiny suits, strutting around confidently in search of grubs and other invertebrates. They poke through frosted foliage and tufts of grass to find hibernating caterpillars and peck at the soil for leather jackets, the larvae of the daddy longlegs. They climb my ivy and rowan tree and dig out sleeping snails, which they then carry to next door's flat roof and bash the living daylights out of before swallowing whole the fleshy part they so desired. My neighbour's flat roof is something of a snail cemetery in winter, which is sad but oddly satisfying for this gardener. The sparrows are more delicate than the starlings, but only just. They crowd around the feeder and fight each other for sunflower hearts, and then they crowd around the birdbath and fight each other for a drink. They seem to have no concept of queuing or waiting their turn, or of doing something sensible like visiting the feeder while the others take a bath and vice versa. House sparrows make me laugh a lot. I love having them in the garden. They're expert aphid eaters too, and on mild days they never give up looking for green fly on my roses, which again, is very satisfying to watch. Blackbirds tend to stay away from the garden in summer, but they come in quite regularly in winter. They start with my rowan tree, gobbling down its juicy berries, and then move on to the hawthorn if the robins give them half a chance. I leave scraps of food for them on the ground at the back of the garden and make sure the lower of the two bird baths has plenty of water for drinking and bathing. One of the blackbirds has a white patch on his wing so is easy to identify. He seems shyer than the other birds so I watch respectfully from the kitchen window as he hops among the borders, turning leaves to find earthworms and other invertebrates and tucking into the seed I've left out for him too. The wrens keep themselves to themselves, skulking around the log pile or beneath the hedge, darting here and there for a morsel of food or a quick drink from the bird bath. At dawn, when the kettle boils for tea, I might hear the stuttering of beautiful birdsong in the half-light. So even if I can't see my winter wren, I can certainly hear it. It might seem early, but winter is the time when robins start to think about breeding. Look carefully and you might notice after the winter solstice, when day length starts to increase again by just a few seconds a day, the robins are pairing up. Suddenly my one robin becomes two. I might be pottering in the garden and hear the scratch of robin claws on the fence, and when I turn around there will be two sets of claws and two robins. They dart around the garden together, one going first and the other quickly following behind. Along with blackbirds, Robins have bigger eyes than other birds, so they're able to see more clearly in the dark and half-light. I've caught them on my night cameras taking baths in the pond at dusk and dawn, while everyone else is asleep. 
The robins are also partial to a rowan berry in Hawthorne Hall, but I leave them to fight this out with the blackbirds. If I'm lucky, I'll get to see who wins. There's nothing like watching a bird gobble down berries from a tree you have planted. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app.